Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're into extra time. Kia and welcome to RNZ's Extra Time. I'm Brenton Vanessa-Roy. The All Blacks will finally take to the field in 2020 when they play Australia in the opening Bledisloe Cup test in Wellington on Sunday. It's just under a year since the All Blacks last played that playoff for third against Wales at last year's Rugby World Cup. But while there's been little action on the field this year, there's been plenty off it amid the global pandemic. And it's fair to say New Zealand rugby's international stocks have taken a beating, falling out with its Sanzar partners, dismissing the Pacific yet again, and being at odds with its players. The one silver lining has been the mess around the rugby championship appears to be resolved. The All Blacks will be home for Christmas after the December 12th test against the Wallabies was moved to October the 31st. But it will come at a cost for New Zealand rugby, although Chief Executive Mark Robinson has been unwilling to tell media just how much. Oh, look, we're really happy with the arrangement that um, it's taken to, to get it there. It's obviously commercially sensitive, but um, we're really comfortable with it. And um, it's a good compromise all round for Sansa, um, Rugby Australia and all the different um, parties that are involved in this. So um, overall, just really pleased. But is there a financial cost to New Zealand rugby with this agreement? Look, like I said, I'm not, I can't get into the detail of that, but um, what, what we've come up with, we're really, really happy with. It's my understanding that if the revenue falls short of what Sansa had forecast, then NZR will incur the costs. Can you just confirm this for me? As I said before, you know, the, any arrangements are, are commercially sensitive. New Zealand Rugby CEO Mark Robinson and Rugby Players Association Chief Executive Rob Nickel was just relieved the whole schedule has been sorted. It's really important because there's some big decisions coming up in the future relating to rugby in this part of the world, across Pacifica and Australia and New Zealand. And, and these, these people are going to have to work really closely together on behalf of the game. And that, that's what we want to see and that's what the players have, have pushed for. Yeah, well on that, you have to put a lot of faith in these same decision makers to get it right for the next season or two when the, when the Super Rugby has changed. The future of the game in this part of the world is looking uncertain. We will disagree in uh, at times, but with these kind of things, we're we're a lot more involved when New Zealand are kind of determining the direction. Um, and this particular one, it kind of got got away on us at Sanzar level. But uh, but well, let me just put you on the spot here before. But do be you shot, do you have faith in the decision makers at Sanzar to get it right for the next season? Yeah, we do. Um, when I say, and I took a breath here because the whole issue is around what the future of Sanzar is. So it's not really Sanzar's decision. It's coming back on the national unions, New Zealand, Australia, this, the, you know, South Africa and Argentina. Argentina's have to take their players for Super Rugby, for example, pretty much into the Northern Hemisphere. South Africa, it's been widely publicised that they're looking very seriously at taking their teams and playing in a Northern Hemisphere competition. So then it comes back on Australia and New Zealand to look and say, OK, well, if we can't play the traditional Super Rugby, what is it we're going to play? So it's not even... It's almost morphing out of Sanzar into an Australia, New Zealand, and what we want to see is the Pacific Islands embraced and brought into that mix and work out what is it we're going to do in that Trans-Tasman, Pacifica, 
space maybe moving up into Japan um, moving forward because the players are so keen to be playing, frankly, the Australian teams and, and some Pacifica teams. Rob Nickel talking to Corin Dan. Now joining me on Extra Time this week, Aidan Clark, Head of Pacific Rugby Players, former New Zealand and Wales Rugby CEO David Moffat, Christy Doran from rugby.com.au and RNZ Rugby reporter Joe Porter. So as you heard from Rob Nickel, it's all about rebuilding relationships, but the Pacific has again been left out in the cold with no Pacifica side in Super Rugby next year. Aidan, if we come to you first, do you have any hope that this could change for 2021? Well, we hope so, Brendan. Um, obviously very disappointed and deflated at the moment. Uh, Rob is spot on there. Uh, myself and Rob and our chairman, Hale Tipol, have been working across all the organisations, putting their hand up for this super rugby opportunity uh, for the Pacific. And yeah, last week's sort of announcement um, was very deflating. There's been no progress over the last seven days? Well, no, there hasn't. Um, I understand, you know, the conversation is ongoing about what 2022 may look like, but uh, given given the track record, um, it's it's a little bit scary to think that possibly we're really missing an opportunity here, not just for the players, but also for the spectators and the fan engagement uh, that we fully believe that a Pacific Island team would provide for Super Rugby. Is 2022 too late then, Aidan? Yeah, well, I guess... Um, 2022, although New Zealand Rugby have said that by the end of this year they will signal uh, what that format may look like, what it opens up is the opportunity for deviation yet again and, and the Pacific losing out yet again. Um, if, if not now, then when? Uh, that's been our attitude towards this. I know the organisations who are putting their hand up put a lot of hard work in, but it's very hard um, to get commitment around commercial and, and facilities and high performance when you when you don't have the tick in the box saying that you're in. So, um, yeah, I, I hope so, um, but I'm a, I'm a little bit reserved about that. Aidan, given that 40% of players in Super Rugby are from the Pacific, I think 50% of the current All Black squad are Pacifica players, does New Zealand rugby do enough? And are you thinking you're going to get maybe a better deal with, with Australia? Uh, we have discussed that. Look, I thought um, that the intent from New Zealand rugby, Brent Impey, especially Mark Robinson, who's been part of the Pacific Island Working Group the last few years prior to becoming CEO, um, knew intimately what this team could do for the high-performance pathways of Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. Um Really disappointed because historically we look at New Zealand rugby as a bit of a big brother. Um, but when you sort of, I guess, unpack it, uh, history starting to tell us that quite possibly haven't been treated that way. And um, Australia have been a little bit more fond towards including uh, the Pacific Islands in their competitions. We had the Fiji and Drua in the NRC competition. We had both Samoa and Fiji playing in rapid rugby. And the door's been very much open there. Um, so, look, uh, ideally, this team um, long-term should be based out of the Pacific Islands. Um, and I think Fiji especially are in a position where they could do that very easily. But if not, um, they're going to need a hand up by somebody. And at the moment, um, it's not looking like New Zealand. David Moffat, how concerned are you that it seems that New Zealand rugby is look, dropping the ball here and turning their back on its Pacific neighbours? Well, I mean, I just need to go back a couple of steps. I mean, I'm, I'll, and I'll call it as I see it, um, perhaps a bit more direct than those other guys that have been on um, previously. I'm actually embarrassed by the behaviour of New Zealand rugby. Um, You know, if their strategy has been to piss people off right across the spectrum of rugby, then they're actually being 
quite successful. And that's really not the New Zealand way or the New Zealand rugby way in the past. And it leads me to wonder who in actual fact is uh, making the decisions there because it doesn't look to me like it is Mark Robinson who's the chief executive. For a long time, the rest of the world has looked at New Zealand and said, you're not doing enough for your own neighbours. And, and I totally agree with them, not, not even only in relation to playing matches, but also the archaic uh, rules about who can go back and represent their country at international level, which need to be changed. Um, because, you know, the, if, if they were able to get some of the players that, that played for other countries back, they would be an incredible force. And, and that would be one of the things that I would want I would want to see change, but I mean, this—you know, this this performance over the Pacific Islands is actually just one of a, of a few of recent times. I mean, they backed the wrong horse for the chair of World Rugby very vocally. Um, they backed down to Australia on the number of teams that they said that they could have in this competition. Um, we've talked about them throwing the Pacifica team under the bus, um, and. Um, you know the, the 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 public discussion over the schedule for the rugby championship, um, but you know what's really really disappointing? This is all being played out in the media. So the Pacifica team gets told, uh, you know, in in no uncertain terms that they're not ready, um, and and you know that smacks to me of uh, of bullying and arrogance because here we have a situation where. New Zealand is saying this is going to be our competition and we're going to call the shots on it. Well, that's not going to ever work. I mean, Australians are really, really much better at dealing with, with these sort of tough situations than New Zealand will ever be, and they're showing that because they're, they're actually giving New Zealand rugby a little bit of a kicking. Uh, and, and it's not nice to see, to be perfectly honest with you, but it is at the making of New Zealand rugby. Uh, and I know a lot of my friends are just sort of shaking their heads and saying, "What the hell is going on?" Um, so yeah, oh, look, I'm I'm a I've been a long time supporter of um, of the Pacific Islands, uh, and and they deserve. <laughs> besides needing, they deserve a place at the top table, and especially if they're able to get their players back that they've actually, I suppose you could say, lent to other international teams because they're not good enough at producing their own players. So, you know, there's got to be some other fundamental changes as well, in my view. Uh, bring you in here, Christy. You obviously uh, have knowledge of how the relationship is now, the Trans-Tasman relationship. How, how do you see it? And uh, are New Zealand rugby being bullies, as David suggests? Well, I, I put it to, to uh, last week to Brent Impey, and, and he... Uh, he said that, oh, look, I hope we're not being arrogant at the moment. But but it, it certainly did suggest that there was a sense of arrogance over the last six months. The expression of interest uh, it didn't go down particularly well. We've got a couple of new men uh, now at Rugby Australia in, in Hamish McLennan, the chairman and interim CEO in, in Rob Clark. And the two of them, Rob Clark has a, a strong understanding of rugby. The landscape has been around for a couple of decades in Australian rugby. So he knows the landscape very well and, and Hamish McLennan isn't going to give necessarily an inch and, and, and has a responsibility to try to get Australian rugby up to where, where it once was. Um, I think... I think the two of them, are, from my 
uh, dealings with them are, are, are good men, uh, are men that have the game at best at heart. And, and whether or not New Zealand um, has Australia's interests at best at heart in recent months, recent years, you'd probably question. I don't, I don't think that they necessarily have. So um, the, the idea, and, and it's been a, a vexed discussion of whether or not Australia should have is best served with two or three Super Rugby sides or five Super Rugby sides, it's something that has split the community, the rugby community, right down the middle. And I don't think that there's necessarily a clear answer about what is best because it's almost like the chicken and the egg theory at the moment about what comes first, the, the, the high performance and success or the money. And without the money, can you have that high performance success? Um, I, I don't think it's, you know, Hamish McLennan described it as its lowest ebb in, in, in recent weeks. I don't think it's nearly at that, that level. We probably only have to go back to the early 2000s and, and know about the, you know, New Zealand missing out and hosting the World Cup. Um, a bit of water under the bridge would be fine, but, but clearly um, Super Rugby, a trans-Tasman competition with some Pacifica involvement is the way forward. Um, you've got to question some of the statements that came out in recent weeks as well around... Um, We've got to make sure that the sides that come into Super Rugby Aotearoa are successful. Um, well, the Western Force being one of the sides that they're looking at, supposedly, reportedly, uh, they haven't had any success since they were ever really included back in, what, 2007. <clears throat> so you've got to have to question a few of those statements. We know that the Fijian Drua did really well once they were introduced to the National Rugby Championship here in Australia too. Uh, and we, we know how much of an abundance of of ability and talent is right throughout the islands there. Uh, Joe Porter, can you remember any time like this in New Zealand rugby history where there's been <laughs> so much off-field issues and, as David said, playing out in the media? No, I mean, certainly not since I've been rugby reporter for about the last five years or so. We haven't seen it playing out in the media like this or the or NZR sort of seemingly stumbling from one mistake to another, whether it be publicly or privately. I mean... Yeah, it does reek of bullying when the rugby championship was going to be held in New Zealand. They didn't want Australia to be able to go back earlier. They weren't going to budge on letting them be back before Christmas and then when the shoe's on the other foot, oh, please, can we please get back for Christmas, you know? So they're asking for sort of reciprocal behaviour that wasn't given in the first place. So I think New Zealand rugby have made many a faux pas over the last little while. That relationship between Mark Robinson as CEO and Brent Impey as chairman seems somewhat convoluted. Who is actually running the show? Is it is it Chairman Brent Impey who really calls the final shots or is Mark Robinson actually being being the chief executive, it would seem that the, the former is probably true. Um, and as far as the Pacifica teams are concerned, it was a very disappointing statement. I think there's been, I've, I'm, I understand there's been some pressure from the New Zealand Super Rugby clubs at, uh, directed towards New Zealand Rugby to not include a Pacifica side next year. Uh, the Blues, I think, were one of the, the larger proponents of that. And you know, you wonder why that is. Is it due to, you know, are they concerned about losing players? Are they concerned about the competition? But it would seem really they're just concerned about protecting their own patch. Um, and in that, if that is the case, if the clubs have been putting pressure on New Zealand rugby to rush through the statement saying Aotearoa in 2021 is going to be what it is this year, five teams, no Pacifica team until 2022, well, that's really disappointing. The reasons they gave were they don't think the team will be competitively or financially viable. Well, again, very much big question marks around that. Competitively, speaking to the Moana Pacifica bit and various others, Rob Nickel, Aiden, those teams will be competitive very close to day one on the ground. And sure, they might cop a little bit of a... a um, 
a beating for, here and there as they adjust to the things. But a six-team competition works so much better than five. You can spread the buys more ev- evenly. The talent becomes better. You can rest players. Uh, and, and weeks where perhaps, you know, the Pacifica team is playing the Crusaders, for example, you'll be able to manage your squads a little bit better. Um, and, and to say that they don't have any money there to help support, well, that's not necessarily true either. The problem is, like Aidan has referred to, is that you can't get any capital investors involved in a team that only has a licence for one year. They simply won't do it. So either you buck up and you say, well, right, we're going to promise you a licence from 2021 onwards, and you bring the capital investors in, or you say, we'll do it as one year. It will be competitively you know, viable. We'll give them a little bit of a cash injection here because what? What does this extra team bring in? A six-team competition that's what? A few extra weeks of games? Is it an extra million bucks in broadcast revenue? How much of that could they possibly flip over to the Pacifica side to give them a hand this next year? They owe it to Pacifica Rugby. They need to do it. Uh, I think there's been pressure from the existing Super Rugby clubs to stop them from going through with it and that's incredibly disappointing and Aidan, you may have more knowledge of that. See you spot on, Joe. Um, I think you're quite right. Um, I guess for the current franchises, uh, when you've got all the lollies, you don't really want to share them. And uh, I have heard whispers that that's quite possibly the case. And I think you're really outlining a really important thing there that um, the lack of trust of the Pacific Island team to be able to rally and pull together. The whole Pacific Island community, um, if given a licence for a decent length of time, would make sure that this is successful. And I'm not talking Pacific Island community like down at the Sunday markets. I'm talking about um, the real big backers commercially who have interest in, in this rugby, who who know that this would be a successful team. Um, the fan following that would happen, not just in New Zealand or Australia, but across the world. And for the player base... You pulled some figures before um, across all of the world. Like we're we're over twenty five percent of of players across all professional competitions in the world are Pacific Islanders, um, and and you already talked about the ones in New Zealand at Super Rugby level, All Blacks, but also at Mighty Ten Cup. The team will pull together. It may take one or two years to get some of the superstars down from European rugby, um, but that's only because of contractual uh, restrictions that they're on at the moment. But the desire is there at the moment. The very very top level players who are the superstars across the world, um, don't have a choice. They have to go north to earn their living and to then uh, prepare themselves for international rugby. This team would provide an option and it would be a really good one. Can I just um, jump in there, please, guys, and just make a, uh, a point about Tonga Rugby League and what that did <laughs> for, yeah. for Rugby League um, and the way in which... Um, you know the, uh, the 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 Tongan community especially got behind um, that team. You know, um, and and because of the incredible support that they have, could you imagine getting Tamalolo to come and play for the Pacifica Rugby Team? What that would do? <laughs> I mean, you know, for, for New Zealand to take the view um, that they have is, is is just crazy. Because you you just never know where these players could come from. Um, because there's an interchangeability now between rugby league and rugby union, and we know what is it about over 50% now of um, players in in the NRL are um, Pacifica players, and a lot of them have had a background in rugby. So the idea, that, and, and and we we also know that the, the the Pacifica players have such a great love for their people, and especially here in New Zealand. That you 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 snare a couple of rugby league players and you see what happens, and that's the sort of vision that is required, you know, not to say, well, you know, they're not, then you're not going to be strong enough. Well, you know, that, that that doesn't wash with me because how do they get stronger? They get stronger by playing at the next level up. 
And David, just back to relationships, can these be repaired? Um, yeah, I, I, I think they can, but I think New Zealand rugby's got to be a little bit more humble than they currently are, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you know, all their, co- all their commentary at the moment still indicates that they are going to call all the shots over a trans-Tasman competition. Well, that's not going to work because Australia is going to want an equal say at the table and, and you know, any other group that comes in. I definitely would not be going north to Japan um, at this point in time. Let's face it, most of the Japanese um, sides are filled with expats or, or players that have gone up there. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be going there. I'd rather see a Pacifica team in with with Pacifica players than going to Japan and seeing a team full of um, you know players from other countries. So you know, it is, but it's going to take New Zealand to understand that they are only going to be a equal partner in whatever competition um, is put in place. And as soon as they understand that and they accept that, then the better it's all going to be for everybody. And, yeah, they can do. But, yeah, no, look, I think it'll settle down. And the, and the quicker that Mark, Mark, Mark Robinson um, can actually, you know, express himself as the CEO and, and get control of this stuff, I think the better. Australian Diamonds captain Caitlin Bassett admits it will be surreal playing netball in New Zealand next year as she seeks court time she's struggled to get in her own country. The 100-test veteran is signed with the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic for next year's ANZ Premiership. Bassett spent much of this year's Australian domestic season on the bench for her club after a super shot was controversially introduced to their competition. With two points awarded for a goal netted from the outer portion of the shooting circle, some clubs favoured long-range shooters. Having been a thorn in the side for the Silver Ferns for years, Bassett told sports reporter Bridget Tunnicliffe it was a big move. It's really exciting. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm, I guess, really thankful that Netball Australia has supported me in allowing me to come over and play. Um, yeah, it's been a tough 12 months for me, I guess, and so... Um, signing with Magic is really exciting and I'm looking forward to the start of the season. Did the Magic reach out to you? Did they make the first approach? Yeah, they did. Um, you know, I had um, been signed to the, the Giants and the Suncourt Super Netball team till the end of 2021. Um, but after some chats with my management, um, I was getting frustrated and so um, asked them to release me from my contract early, which they were more than happy to do. So I think... Once that happened, um, you know, uh, some conversations happened then with Magic and, and the rest is history. They've been so patient with me the last couple of months, um, I guess, while I've been sorting out um, and making sure I'm still eligible to play for Australia. So I'm really thankful to them for that. Was it a difficult decision given no one knows yet whether the two-point shot is going to remain in SEC next year? Did you have to do a bit of second-guessing? Um, yeah, I guess. I think for me, um, you know, playing... Uh, international rules is a bit of a no-brainer for me. Um, I think it's going to be best to prepare me for, um, you know, 2022 Commonwealth Games, which is coming up super fast. Um, And then I guess the other draw card for me is playing against the World Championships defenders. So, um, you know, I'm really lucky that I'm going to have, um, you know, Tenelisi and Edna in my team. And so playing against them and training against them week in, week out, um, as well as, you know, playing against the other Ferns defenders across the competition is only going to, um, you know, get me to where I need to go and um, really challenge me ahead of um, major competitions that are coming up.
Did you seek any advice from your Kiwi contacts? I mean, Dame Nolene Toto, a previous coach in the Australian League, Laura Langman, your old teammate, did you um, reach out to anyone? Yeah, of course. Um, Knowles was one of the people that I called quite early on. Um, I really respect um, her opinion. Um, and I obviously played some of my best netball under her. So um, after some conversations with her, um, I felt pretty confident um, in my decision. Um, and I think, you know, the opportunity to, to do something different while playing a sport I love, coming across to a country who is so passionate about netball and playing in a club that is, you know, host superstars like Irene Van Dyke, um, Laura Langman, who you mentioned, and, you know, Casey Kapua. Um, I think it's an exciting thing to do and, uh, and a great challenge. And I'm looking forward to lots of adventures. Uh, you have broken the hearts of Kiwi netball fans in the past. <laughs> the 2011 Netball World Cup final, scoring the winning goal and the extra time stands out. Is it going to? I mean, can you imagine being cheered on now by netball fans in New Zealand? Yeah, look, I've played netball so many times in New Zealand. Obviously, um, in the green and gold, and know how passionate the fans are. And um, you know, we haven't had um, crowds cheering us on this year in our league, so. I'm looking forward to having um, Kiwi fans hopefully cheering from me. It might be a bit hard for them to start off with, but, um, you know, I feel like I'm coming to New Zealand for all the right reasons. I want to help the sport grow and, um, you know, we'll be doing as many hours as possible getting out there and helping the younger generation, the grassroots netballers, try to develop as well um, as the two young tutors in our team. So, um, yeah, the Kiwi fans are just incredible and I can't wait to get out there and play in front of them. And the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic have a great history of success over the years, but in recent two or three years they have struggled. Do you, are you excited by the challenge to try and bring them up to the top again? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, not only do I want to help their youngsters develop, but also it's about winning. Um, I'm not coming over from fun. Um, netball is a serious thing for me, and so my aim is, um, you know, to help them get up towards the top of the ladder and really be challenging for finals and for premierships. So, I definitely think we can do that with the team that's been put together. I think we've got experience, you know, in defence um, and through the midcourt and now with myself in the shooting end. Australian Diamonds captain Caitlin Bassett talking to RNZ sports reporter Bridget Tunnicliffe about her move to play in next year's ANZ Premiership. That brings us to the end of Extra Time. My thanks to Aidan Clark, Head of Pacific Rugby Players, former New Zealand and Wales Chief Executive David Moffat, Christy Doran from rugby.com.au and RNZ rugby reporter Joe Porter. I'm Brenton Vanessa-Loy, mihi moa inaiane. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.